Hey, what's the deal, good people? This is Dr. Q Jordan with your weekly episode of The Ear Hustle. I'm the owner-operator of Fearless Physical Therapy in Hampton, Virginia. We're a mobile outpatient PT company. Um, you can check us out at fearlessphysicaltherapist.com or on Instagram and Facebook at fearlesspt06. All right, so... This episode today is kind of a, a weighty one. Um, it's something as a physical therapist we de- deal with all the time. Um, and it's basically talking about um, the, the, the client's mood and how that affects healing. You hear a lot of times that uh, your mental state affects the way you do things. It it can speed things up, slow things down. And let me tell you, that's really a major contributing um, factor in the healing process when somebody is, is recovering from injury. So I have a little bit of um, scientific information for you guys, and I'm going to try to um, add in, um, cut, splice that with some stories about different patients that I've had the opportunity, the privilege to treat. So, um, basically, a little bit of background about me and dealing with um, the mental emotional state. Before I became a physical therapist, I majored in psychology. Um, was inducted into the honor society um, for our school for psychology. Um, so this was something that I have experience with. Um, the research I did um, while in PT school was actually dealing with um, sp- spinal cord injury patients, African-American uh, male spinal cord injury patients and their emotional states and how they felt that um, they were being treated um, by healthcare professionals. So once again, dealing with emotional state and how different things affected them. And so I have a little bit of experience of, um, in this round. All right. So as I said earlier, your, your emotional, your mental state really contributes to how well you're going to do in physical therapy. A lot of times, the patients that are doing are, are that are doing well that do better, they they they're in a, in a in a state where they have the 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 positive um, reinforcement around them. They have those friends, those family members that are going to push them and that are also going to make sure that they stay in a, a positive headspace. And that really um, contributes to how well somebody's going to do because one, if you feel good. You're, you're going to do better. There is an old saying in, in, in boxing that if you look good, you you feel good. And if you feel good, you're going to move good. And that does it's the same thing in, in therapy. Like if I if I have a patient and I see them and they come in every visit, they're in dark drab colors, and I ask their family members or them, do they always dress like that? And they tell me no. I know right then and there. That that's one thing that I'm gonna have to work with. Or somebody that's usually um, dressed to the nines, they have always have the hair done, the nails did, things like that. And you see them, and their nails are chipped, they're ashy, different things like that. 
um, when they come to therapy, that kind of lets you know right then that there may potentially be some emotional, some mental things going on with the patient. So I'll give you an example. Back, um, back in the day when I was a young therapist, had a patient probably about three years younger than I was and came in. They were in a wheelchair. They were just in baggy sweats. They kind of looked unkempt and it just just looked like they, they just didn't give a dog. I, the, the family talked to me and was like, yeah, um, don't know what's going on. This person really cared about how they looked. They always had on lipstick and makeup and they just would barely get out of bed. And so the first couple of visits, an issue was the fact that they just didn't want to do anything. They, they, they had a hard time getting motivated. So just being my silly self started to joke around with them. Um, just telling them, okay, um, I'm tired of seeing all the black and everything. Um, you got to bring a little bit more, a little in a little bit more color and different things like that. And it's like, okay, you need to start hanging out with your friends. You need to get out and do things. Just, um, overall, I just try to make the each therapy session fun for them. Just try to engage them and speak to them where they were, but try to um, encourage them. And after a while, the patient, I noticed, started dressing up a little bit. Um, my coworkers teased me because it's like, yeah, the, the patient has a crush on you, so they're, the, the patient is trying to catch your attention. Well, that wasn't the case. Just um, felt like, okay, I need to look like myself again. So the patient started to dress up a little bit more and noticed that the patient's um, – over, the reactions to different things in therapy started to improve. And as they started to feel better about themselves, they, they started to report that the pain decreased. And then, as you know, as you know, once that pain stops, starts to decrease, once that pain stops, you're able to do more. And so that's one of the things that um, studies have, have looked at is, so basically, a study on rats demonstrated that when a rat is in a depressive state, it demonstrates four to eight times slower healing of bones compared to rats who don't demonstrate um, signs of depression. The rats also demonstrated a decreased ability to promote bone growth. All right, so bones grow in lines of stress. So basically, the bone is going to grow when you put stress on it. But if certain chemicals and certain minerals aren't um, readily available, that's going to affect the healing process of bone. Same things with collagen. And collagen makes up your muscles, your, your tendons, your ligaments. And so that's going to come into play later when, during, during the discussion. So this patient wants... They started to feel better. They, 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 they were able. They were able to try new stuff. And so for them, one of the issues was that there was a a, a broken bone, and so that they needed to put weight on it. But if you're in a wheelchair, you're not putting weight on that jo that joint that needs that weight. So one of the things we did was we started playing music for them, got them up, got them moving around. This kind of made it, like I said before, a, a kind of fun environment for them. And in that, they they started to put a little bit more weight on that that, that bone 
to promote strengthening, to promote bone growth, and to eventually allow them to move about better on it. So, um, getting back into the science part of it, there's um, a, a set of neurotransmitters called catecholamines. And you know them as epinephrine, i.e. the adrenaline, the norepinephrine, and the dopamine. And normally these, these catecholamines can increase heart rate, blood pressure, blood glucose levels, and overall activity of the sympathetic nervous system. Basically, this is what you call your flight or fight um, response. You know, when you get in a situation and it, it ain't looking good and you need to, need to, to bounce or you either need to throw hands. And so you that you get that sensation where okay, um everything starts to starts to slow down for you. You your gut kind of drops a little bit, but you but you but you you're you're you kind of seeing things in a in a hyper sense. Um so I guess the best example, like you know, bullet time from the Matrix when they would shoot the bullets at Neo, and he they slowed down for him, and he was able to kind of move and evade. And in a fight, sometimes or in a situation where you get really nervous, sometimes you you get that sensation where everything just kind of um, slows down for you, and you really don't don't feel it don't feel um the the pain and you're, you're also moving at a faster rate you're stronger than what you normally are that's because those neurotransmitters are kicking into the to those muscles that are going to help you out those parts of your body that you're going to either a, get you get you um out the fight or out the dangerous situation are going to help you win that situation <laughs> These these catecholamines can put your body on a high alert state. The thing is, elevated levels of these um, catecholamines are also indicative of periods of higher levels of stress. And so, once again, when you're in that flight or fight fight response, it's because something is about to go down, and you need to a, either a get out of dodge, or you need you need to knock when you buck. So that's okay for a brief period of time. But when you're in that state for prolonged periods of times, or you're in that those increased levels of stress for prolonged periods of times, that becomes a problem. And your body is not um, meant to stay in those um, those prolonged states um, for, for a long period of time. And then you start to get things like um, increased cortisol levels, which normally reduces bone formation and downregulates collagen. Basically, it breaks down collagen. But in those higher stress levels, with the with the cortisol is increased and it's in the body for a long periods of time, it once again it slows down bone formation, so your bones aren't going to heal as fast, and it also down. Um, regulates collagen. So basically the collagen activity, the collagen regrowth and rebuilding process is, is slowed down. And these cortisol levels can um, 
these stress levels can be increased when you're in trauma. So if like, say you, you're in a bad car accident and you, so you're in a bad car accident and you, you're, 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 you're in pain for a few days. Um, then it, sometimes it becomes weeks on end. It's usually because you're still in the high stress phase. You're still um, have those higher levels of cortisol. Um, and we see that all the time in, in, in clinics. We have patients that had a scary traumatic event, like they they were in a car accident and they saw 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 it coming, and it it just put them in that flight or fight response stage and they they just kind of stay there they they've have become kind of hyper vigilant and it's not really that the trauma is still there um because most times after a few weeks to a few months um most um bones tissues muscles they heal but it's your body is still in that that heightened stage and so those higher levels of stress affect affects you on um, what you're doing it affects how you perceive see pain. It affects how your, your body heals and different things like that. So a lot of times with these patients, we have to focus in on getting them to, to get out of that, that higher level stress phase. We have to focus in on getting them to a, a, a point where they're um, at a more calm, relaxed state. And a lot of times with the, the, those clients, it starts off just being education on what's going on and just educating them about pain and pain responses and how that the stimulus that caused the pain is, is no longer there. And so it's now trying to retrain the brain. Not that it's all in your head, but it's that your body has, once again, become hypervigilant and it's keeping you from relaxing. So it's keeping your body from healing properly because once again, with those catecholamines, if they stay in the body, they create higher levels of um, blood pressure. They um, tense up everything. You get that increased heart rate so your body doesn't heal. And then that cortisol, you basically stress. And so with the increased stress, you get that increased cortisol production which slows, slows down bone growth, slows down collagen reuptake, so your body isn't allowed to do what it's supposed to do to go about its normal cycle, and so it throws it off, and you're kind of stuck in that pain that pain circle. Um, and so another example of this is when you have patients that have um, that 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 recently had um uh amputation of some sort whether it be a below knee amputation above knee amputation and well there's a lot of different factors that contribute to that pain but some of that is is the trauma that the body went through um before that before they had to be um they had to have the amputation they haven't come down for that and so those um the, the 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 body is basically not performing the functions that it's supposed to heal, and once they can get to a, a state where some of that stress, some of those other those other issues are are starting to calm down and, and and chill out for them, they're able to do a little bit better. They're able to regulate things a little bit more. Um. 
All right. So during depression, we've know people that been depressed. Most of us probably went through depression um, at the time or two. There's a, another um, hormone. Um, there, I'm sorry, a neurotransmitter, dopamine. Mentioned it earlier as one of the catecholamines. Um, it normally creates positive feelings, but that during depression is reduced, and and then also that during depression, serotonin, which is an another um, one of those transmitters, it's also that function is reduced, and then. With that being reduced, you start to see um, things like osteopenia or other issues where the bones start to become weak and brittle. And so a lot of times we have patients that are in a depressed state and they're not healing as fast as they could. Um, Had a patient um, new from high school, real pretty person. Um, real pretty girl. A lot of guys wanted to get with her, and very active and an athlete and everything. And so, came into my clinic one day, didn't recognize the person, and it wasn't because they really looked different. It was just because they presented differently. And so they tell me the story of what's been going on, and they. They were somebody that was used to being a get up and go type of person. They they did everything they needed to do. They took care of um, home. They didn't need anybody for anything. And the injury that they had it 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 basically wiped them out. They they felt helpless and they felt they they didn't like the fact that they had to rely on other people. And if, unfortunately, the people that they had to rely on weren't dependable. And so different things like that started to affect them. And they became depressed and they went to a bunch of doctors, went to a bunch of therapists beforehand. And everybody said, there's nothing wrong with you. So you need to just go ahead and start moving. But the person had always had 10 out of 10 pain. They were, um, they were doggone, um, mass assist um, for getting in and out the, um, off the table. And it's like, that's everybody's telling me I, I have nothing wrong with me, but I'm telling you there's pain. It's like it may not show up on an x-ray, but there's something going on. It's, it's so painful. So I try to work with this person because, um, once again, that's my job, and I, and I, and I felt for the person and, and did everything I could. I tried different ways of downgrading the training, titrating things so that it wasn't, wouldn't be as difficult. And they were able to complete things, but it still wasn't – it, it was still wasn't really helping with the pain. And sometimes they felt like the pain was getting worse. And they just told me more and more about their home life and what was going on and how everybody who used to depend on them kind of kicked them to the curb or just dumped a bunch of things on them. And so I, I finally came to the, to the conclusion. I was like, you know, I think I know what to do to help you with, with to get your function back. But it's right now you need to go speak to somebody because you, you showing, you're showing a lot of signs of depression. And right now that probably take that right, that right now your mental state, your emotional state is taking precedent over your, which you can do physically until some of that starts to improve. 
um, we won't be able to um, do too much. We won't be able to progress you too, too much further. So that was that process. Saw the patient. Uh, probably, I want to say it was three to four months later. And they were, they were a different person. They still had some pain and all, but just being able to talk through things, I think they got on... They got um, some other types of helps and um, found some some resources. But once they finally got started talking to somebody that could to guide them in, to to improve in the mental and emotional state and what to do, maybe medically or chemically or what what have you. Basically, once that part started to get solved, they started to to do better. And they still had pain, and they still came to me for therapy. But it was a much different um, prognosis than than originally. Now there are two more hormones I wanted to talk about: oxytocin and vasopressin. Now, you know, you normally hear about oxytocin, um, and yes, I know I'm country, so it sounds funny. But when you normally hear about oxytocin, when when a woman is pregnant and you know it helps to loosen up um the 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 joints and it also helps to um begin lactation and things like that and vasopressin is also another one of those uh, arousal prosocial but um hormones that normally are increased during um social behaviors but also they act as modulators for fear and anxiety and can um, aid in controlling um, inflammation. And so the more positive social interactions you have increases the effects of the, of the oxytocin and the vasopressin and reducing inflammation. And there have been studies on that in um, the aiding a wound healing when the oxytocin levels have been were studied and they were um, seen to be regulated normally or higher, it, the, the wounds healed faster. And when they were low, they were lower or they were nil, the wounds um, healed, healed slower. And it's funny because it's so, so oxytocin um, also aids um, and modulate inflammation. And that's uh, one of the other things that affects the healing process. If your body is okay, so inflammation is a normal part of the healing process, it has to go to a, through a period of inflammation before it goes to the next stages of of the healing and that's just all part of traumatology the, the um the the trauma response period but if the the inflammation inflammatory process is prolonged then um it slows down the overall process of healing so what could be a six week process maybe 12 or longer or what is going to be a few months may turn into a whole year And since oxytocin is affected by fear and anxiety, oh, I'm sorry, since, yeah, basically, sorry, since um, fear and anxiety also play into that. So when the oxytocin levels are low, you get the fear, you get the anxiety, and you get that inflammation. Um and that that's seen in therapy a lot too. That how fear and anxiety can affect people. Um, I have plenty of patients all the time tell me that they're afraid 
to do something? Are they afraid that they're going to fall again, that that the, that the, the pain has been so bad that they're afraid to do things because it's going to hurt more and they don't want to deal with that pain anymore? And that's kind of how I came up with the name Fearless because one of my patients said, um, kept telling me um, back in the day that I always did a good job of helping them get the fear out that just being listening to them and letting them talk things out, guiding them as best as I can, um, kind of reassured them that things were going to be all right. And so that's something else that needs to be, that has to be looked at in the healing process. The, the patient's levels of fear and anxiety, the higher they are, the more likely you're going to get that inflammatory response. And so the slower the healing process. So all those things need to be looked at. And if, and sometimes it's not that the patient isn't doing what they're supposed to do. It's just those other outside variables that are, that are slowing them down. And sometimes feel that we aren't given enough um, time to address these issues because of that. Um, at times, insurance companies, our doctors want a patient better in a certain amount of visits without really focusing in on the fact that, hey, they have these other factors, these other social factors that could potentially um, um, inhibit them, their ability to return to normal function. And so as therapists, we have to work very hard and try to pick up on these things quickly to, to get the best um, outcome for our patients. All right, guys, um, that's it. Um, for today's topic of dealing with how a mood affects um, the healing process. Hopefully um, you guys learned a little bit of something from this. You can um, drop a like, let me know what um, you may want to hear in the future. And I'm going to start to try to have people come on so we can talk about things a little bit. So it's more of a dialogue than just me talking, but hopefully I helped you all out today. And if there are any questions, once again, you can just contact me at fearlessphysicaltherapist.com or at fearlesspt06 on Instagram and Facebook. All right, y'all have a great day.